You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. There is a place where time stands still, where nature is harsh and demanding, where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. All you've got to do now is pass the Australian culture test. Three simple questions, three correct answers, and you go through that doorway to the greatest little country in the world. Hi everyone, Annie here for Showreel, 3CR's Australian film-focused program. And today we're going to be looking at the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival's uh, return with a monthly series of the best docos from their past seasons. And um, this is going to be at the Nova, which is a theatre that MDFF has traditionally been using. Uh, And uh, their first program is going to be on Sunday, Sunday the 28th of uh, March, followed with another program on the 18th of April. And true to the allure of documentaries, the stories told are magnificent in their range. There's going to be a program of five films each time they have these monthly sessions. I'm going to go through the five that they're going to have on Sunday and uh, today we're going to feature two of them because I've got some interviews, uh, one from The Vault and uh, one that I've just done. So uh, at 10.40am at the Nova on Sunday, there's going to be a double bill. Call for a Poetic City is the first film about an Australian family who arrived in London in the 1960s and set up and continue to run a horse riding school in Hyde Park in London believe it or not, there's going to be, this is followed by Youth on Strike about the massive 2019 student climate strike. There's going to be a Q&A after the screening with Rob Innes, the uh, director of the film. At 1pm, Strangers to the World, this is a dramatised retelling of the events around the deaths of Etty Hillesum and Franz Jägerstatter in Nazi Europe with Rachel Griffith and Oscar Redding as the stars. This film examines individual moral courage in the face of almost overwhelming pressure from the outside world. There will be a Q&A with director Grant Fraser and cinematographer Ellery Ryan at that particular session. At 2.30pm, Boys Who Said No, the magnificent film by Judith Ehrlich, made up of archival footage that tells the story of the Americans who refused to go to the American war on Vietnam and changed history. Uh, Judith Ehrlich is going to give a Q&A after the film, uh, not to be missed, I suggest. Uh, at another double bill at 4.40pm, first up is Save the Reef, Act Now, which is an interesting mix of hard barrier reef facts and very personal human connections to coral reefs as vital to the sustainability of the planet. It includes a strong Asian connection to the natural world, in particular Japanese and Chinese actions to save the reef. Descent 
is the other film. It's a film by Kiki Bosch, all about the joys of cold water free diving from the ice fjords of Greenland to the frozen lakes of Finland. Pretty interesting, I should say. The evening is round off with uh, World's Best Movie at 7pm, a feature by Joshua Belafonte, who travels the world investigating individuals striving to be the world's best at their passions. You can get a session pass for all five films or pick what you want. Uh, Look at the Nova website for the details of sessions and bookings. Uh, Now, to today's program, we're going to first go back into the showreel vault to hear what Joshua Belafonte said about his kooky, delightful and life-affirming film, World's Best Film. And we're going to follow up with a word with co-producer of Save the Reef, Act Now, Hiroki There's plenty of specialist music programs to choose from on the 3CR grid. Explore the 3CR schedule online at 3cr.org.au. Yes, this is our vibration. Check out Music Sans Frontier. Great voices. Music matters. Who the hips is the hop show. The heavy session. The Planet X radio show. Satellite skies. Shindig. Sweet dreams. Tune in to 3CR 855 AM on your digital radio or streaming live at 3cr.org.au. Let our music make you happy. You're with Annie on Showreel. Today we're focusing on the monthly program of films showing at the Nova by the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival, MDFF. The first five films are showing on Sunday the 28th of March. First up, we will go back to my interview with Joshua Belafonte, whose film, World's Best Film, will be showing at 7pm on Sunday. G'day Josh, it's Annie McLaughlin here. How are you? Hey, good. How are you doing? So let's talk about your film. How long have you been working on that film? It's a really great question. It all began about six years ago, so it's been a really long journey. <laughs> I could see that because it's um, because it's quite uh, lyrical, your film. Yeah, thank you so much for pointing that out. Um, it was really important to me that kind of a lot of scenes mirror each other and have a lot of good things, you know, to say from people from all different walks of life, diversity um, and, you know, genders and that was really important to me really early on in the piece, yeah. Okay, so is this your first film? Yes, this is actually my first uh, feature film. So it is my debut documentary. I've obviously made lots of different short films over the years that have screened all over the world. And I've worked a lot in television for networks like the Discovery Channel, National Geographic, SBS and stuff like that. But this is my first major foray into directing. Ah, exciting. Yeah, I'm thrilled. <laughs> now, it seems to me that uh, you may or may not have had a script. You may have had an outline. So it was really important to me that the film really happened organically. A lot of my methodology is arriving in a country and starting to ask questions to people around me, going and going, who's doing interesting things in this place? I want to meet them and kind of just going from there. So a lot of it is actually just throwing myself in the deep end in sometimes hilarious and uncomfortable situations where I might not speak the local language and I might not know some local customs um, and really trying to find the heart of the story that way. I obviously had a, 
an outline in my head of the kinds of people that I wanted to speak to on the journey. And, you know, it, it, it dawned on me throughout that process that a lot of the people that I was meeting, they had some personal connections to my own life. And that really came out through the editing process. But sometimes I was definitely aware of it, um, you know, in the thick of it. And I can talk a little bit about, you know, the, the kinds of people we meet on this journey. And, uh, you know, it took me to places like Bangkok, Stockholm, uh, in, in all across Romania, Poland. And, you know, some of these people had, had done things that I'd done in my life. And that was really fascinating for me to kind of unearth the reasons why I was telling these people's stories. You know, one of the things that's most fascinating, there's a lot of things that are fascinating about your film to me. Uh, one of them is that you're actually from, you're, you're, you're born in Australia, brought up in Australia. But your parents are, and your grandparents particularly, uh, came from Poland and were escaping the uh, carry-on there, which is a very mild way of describing what was going mm. on during the Second World War for people of their sort. Um, so the you've got a very cosmopolitan attitude to the world, which... Uh, is a very exciting and interesting... Uh, you have an ease with uh, people from other countries and other languages that is quite sophisticated. Thank you so much. Um, that really means a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, very early on, like growing up in an immigrant family, I was always told from an early age that, you know, I had to pursue something, an honest living that put bread on the table. So it was very... It was looking out to the world and, and being thankful for what we have and I think that very much gave me a perspective of being aware of the fact that everyone is fighting a different battle and we're not all entirely aware of what those stories are. So whenever I meet people, I definitely try and have an open mind. I try and learn some of the local languages and customs wherever possible. Sometimes like when I was filming in Thailand, um, I didn't speak a lick of Thai. I did, I did attend some local language classes, um, but I was completely in the deep end and I was really telling a story there on um, reading body language and tone, um, which was a completely other other experience from, say, uh, making a film in Sweden where I do speak some of the language and I was aware of some of the nuances in that culture and I, and I knew, so to speak, how to, how to tread carefully in certain instances. Um, but yeah, no, thank you so much for saying that. I think I, I definitely um, view my place in the world as, you know, you, you act local, think global, and, and, and I'm very aware of my place in that. And I think coming from a family that were refugees and were fleeing war, I am aware of everyone's different journeys in that way. Yeah, well, and also uh, the fabric of your film seems to be your sunny personality. <laughs> Thank you. I think um, it, it did dawn on me uh, throughout that the reasons why these people were interesting to me was, was because of, you know, uh, my own story as well. And I realized that I definitely needed to provide the context of why I was talking to some of these people. For example, there was a, a man I met in Romania again by just arriving in the country and asking someone who's doing something really weird and wonderful in this place. And then I found out that this person was a Gothic tailor who had a really interesting history. And my grandparents were, were tailors and were in the clothing business. So I felt I had a very deep connection with him immediately upon meeting him. And I think he felt it too. And we, we ended up having speaking for hours about theology and philosophy and all, all different kinds of things. And it was, it was a really fascinating deep dive. Yeah, he's a, he's a deep and meaningful guy. That was really fascinating. That's the thing. All the people that you speak to are, are really different from each other. 
and you've got a, a as you say your ability to uh, provide context is a great boon to the audience. I, I, I was really fascinated by it. Um, and it's very touching as well, the way you ultimately come back to your family with a new understanding. Yeah, thank you so much. And again, that was another thing that happened really serendipitously. It was one day in January last year, I opened a cupboard and I found all these tapes that my dad had filmed over the years. And I said, Dad, what is this? And he said, oh, I think it's you know videos of you as a child. And I thought, well, that might be really interesting to look at. And when I started looking through this footage, I found these just insane links between what I was filming in my movie and what I was doing as a child. And it really just started making me think all about this central idea of reconnecting with what it was that I wanted to do as a kid. And for me, that was making films. And I became more interested in, you know, what are the things that people are doing all over the world that they've been putting off? What are the passions they want to pursue that maybe someone told them that they couldn't do or they shouldn't do? And so for me, that was making films, and this is the result. It's a very kooky but very lovely film. It's a lovely film. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> is there anything else you want to share that I haven't asked you about? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I could tell you, um, you know, a little bit about my journey in, in making the film and how it Go all on, tell um, me. began. Tell me. If you yeah, like. I'd love to. Yeah, well, I guess. So the film really all began in 2014 when I was studying to become a lawyer, actually, and I received a phone call that changed my life. I was told that I was quite ill and I had a rare illness and that I need to stop everything that I was doing and call an ambulance. And it was a pretty shocking moment uh, where I kind of realized that what am I going to do? If What am I going to do now? And if I do get a second chance, what will that be? And I started thinking about all the stories I wanted to tell and all the times I wanted to go back to Europe and meet some friends there and, and, and I thought, well, wouldn't it be a great idea if I could incrementally make a film over a period of time if I get that second chance? So I really hope that people who watch the film that they start to think about, you know, what are the things in my life that, that I'd like to do and what are the things I've been putting off? And I'm actually really interested to hear from people as well if they think they're the world's best at something. And I think it's important that they know that they don't need to be the Guinness World Records best of, of, of whatever they're doing. It can be enough that they just affirm it within themselves and then set themselves on that journey. Also, I'll have to say thank you very much for the gift of meeting uh, your Ertzat grandfather. That was just so nice. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, look, I, I, I was, I've always been blown away by um, the story of 94-year-old Kurt Fuchs and he was of the same generation as my grandparents. And obviously I have so many questions for my grandparents who are sadly no longer with us. It became a way of me talking to my grandparents' generation. And a lot of the stories he told um, were just out of this world. And I actually just wanted to convey the message of someone from that generation moving on in a quite funny way. Um, and, and just showing that there is life after tragedy. There is something over the horizon to look forward to. And I think that's really relevant now more than ever because we are living in this pandemic where everyone's in lockdown and everyone's being told, you know, now's the time to pick up that new passion or hobby. It's also okay to, to reflect and, and, and work out where you've come from. But I hope that that gives some people some strength to kind of look towards the horizon and see, you know, what it is that they want to spend their time doing when we all go back to normal and in inverted commas. Uh, the other thing, of course, I suppose, is that ultimately the film is about the past, present and the future and how they meld together. I mean, that's one of the elements, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah. Yeah, time is is really um, an interesting thing in the film. And and more and more in the editing process, I realized it was making decisions based on a feeling and a a tone and and a flow rather than, oh, this happened in 2014, so it has to happen here. And this happened in 2015, so it has to happen there. It becomes more about following an emotional thread and working out where the emotional resonance is of each scene. And sometimes it's showing a very serious moment next to a very comedic moment. And there can be something in that that, that can be quite striking and, and interesting for audiences, at least in my mind, and I hope I hope that they think so too. Yeah, yeah, you're a complicated filmmaker. So what are you going to do next? <laughs> what am I going to do next? Well, right now I'm very much focusing on just following through and getting this film out there to as many different people as I can. I'm really looking at festivals and um, other platforms. I'm also developing lots of really exciting projects, which I'm hoping to announce as soon as the pandemic is, you know, with <laughs> its ugly head. And I'm just focusing, you know, I'm just focusing on being a better practitioner and making better films and also building a a strong community around my projects that I can bring everyone along with me um, and really just champion our own stories and and get those into the world and, you know, help make some kind of difference or contribute to something. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I'm keen to see what you do next because it was very interesting and very individual. Thank you so much, Annie. Mm, I enjoyed it. Thanks for talking to me. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Hi, I'm Judith Ehrlich. I'm the director of the film, The Boys Who Said No, Draft Resistance in the Vietnam War. I'm really pleased to be here on 3CR. I'm an old listener-sponsored radio producer myself and worked at the first listener-sponsored station in the world, KPFA, Berkeley, part of the Pacifica Network. So good work. Keep it up. Thanks. You just heard a station ID from Judith Ehrlich, whose fantastic film, The Boys That Said No, made up from archival footage, will be showing this Sunday at 2.30pm at the Nova as part of the MDFF monthly screenings. Save the Reef, Act Now, will also be showing as part of this Sunday's program at 4.40pm as part of a double billing which includes Descent about cold water diving. I spoke with co-producer of the film, Iraqi Ijima, about how he became involved in Mimi Shao's project. Can you tell me about uh, why uh, your production company has focused on the reef? Um, yeah, um, this is a course same the reef, and then uh, obviously uh, sort of environmental the uh, issues, you know, to focus on the environmental issues, especially uh, poor reef bleaching and everything, which is a worldwide is a problem at the moment. And then obviously in Australia, Great Barrier Reef, and in Japan and Okinawa, Southern Ireland, and even China. And uh, Mimi Chow, my friend, long-time friend, uh, she's been the, uh, uh, she's, she's actually called me and then, you know, the, we did the, the, the sort of the, the idea for the uh, documentary um, talking about coral reef breaching everything. Okay, and I said this, and she said the uh, this is not just only for the in a normal documentary, just uh, talking about the uh, how coral reefs important and beautiful and everything you have to protect and everything and showing those the the, uh, the awareness and everything. But uh, this is also more human being focus on the human being, how actually human challenge. And then, I mean, it, you know, I, I know many people, everything, and then that, 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 who doing this this kind of a project. And then they, 
she asked me to the, uh, especially for in Japan, and then uh, especially for Okinawa, because I'm a, a Okinawa ambassador, I'm, I'm ambassador for Okinawa, you know, to commission. So, and she, and Mimi actually asked me to, uh, what about, what about you know, going to film there over there? Because uh, in 1997, we had a huge uh, coral breaching, the uh, incident happening the, in Okinawa. It's where also people actually worry about because uh, the Okinawa Island heavily uh, rely on uh, the uh, tourism. I mean, at the moment, very hard at the moment, but, uh, you know, uh, COVID-19, anything. Like, like a good body, you know, cans and anything. And then, then they very worry. And then, okay, maybe I can ask my uh, friends in the tourism commission, everything, and I uh, ask them. And then very luckily, uh, we did film at, in an uh, island called Kudaka Island, K-U-D-A-K-A Island, which is a really important Okinawa people for them because uh, uh, this is uh, actually um, kind of mythology and uh, Kudaka Island is said to be the first place created by the the legendary ancestor uh, Amamikyo, which is God, one of the gods and the creator and everything. It's, it's kind of the you know, Okinawa people believe that uh, the islanders can actually uh, start there, everything, like Israel or something like that. And then they they uh, very hard to film because they because of protected area and then natural treasure and everything is very usually very hard to film. But I got a friend and then I just explained about the this uh, the theme of the. Uh, this uh, documentary film said so he said okay yes you can come and everything and then just just a um, very short time I could organize uh, the, the filming Kudaka Island also the a very interesting uh, guy called the uh, Koji Kinjo he's actually uh, created he's just he's not just ordinary ordinary man and he's not a scientist or you know he's a professor or anything he just loved uh, the uh, coral reef so when he was a uh, a uh, uh, child, he swimmed all the time. He's, he's he, you know, the, uh, uh, in, in water in Okinawa, and he he saw the beautiful, beautiful coral reef and everything. But uh, suddenly, coral breaching happened, and he shocked. And, uh, and then he tried to make create the uh, like a coral or farm in land, which is very unusual. And uh, we went there. Uh, just just uh, he created himself, and then uh, uh, like on the land he put a very big pool and put in a coral reef and everything. And then, and then everyone and the scientists actually make fun of him. And you know? how stupid you that you, you can't do that. A human being can create the coral reef. But he did try in 20 years and he, and finally he did the, uh, uh, the actually successfully he cultivated the so-called super coral which is actually uh, uh, very, uh, that the, the coral can live in the higher than 30 degrees Celsius, which is, and uh, everyone said the coral reef can live uh, above the 30 degrees uh, Celsius, but he did the, uh, create the uh, final super coral. And then he tried to plant on the, the ocean, he successfully did, he did. And then the scientists actually surprised and then admire him, oh, you can do everything. That's, that's sort of stories, you know, people with passion, the people just, uh, just normal ordinary people have a kind of the, uh, to, to, actually, he, he was shocked by uh, you know, 
climate change, the world changing. Like, like in, in today is here, the, you know, the, as you know, the flooding in, in, in Sydney, so much, so much raining and everything. And, and, you know, you, you can't predict, you can't protect those uh, natural disasters like uh, an earthquake 10 years ago in Japan. So sort of, a, sort of, a, we focus on it. Mimi told me we gotta, we wanna create the uh, some kind of human documentary to the, the, the uh, about this issue. So that's why yes, and then we started the film. Very interesting because uh, it, it is. It's a very got a very strong focus uh, on how humans interact with nature, but a very positive message about how humans can actually have a positive outcome. I was very interested in the uh, very strong connection with Mm. uh, China too, Mm. uh, especially with the uh, kids um, Mm. standing up, the children um, calling Mm. for action and and investigating how they can be helpful. We often see mm. films from we often see films like this from our perspective, from an Australian perspective, and mm. we often see it from. Uh, yes. You you do cover all the elements of uh, preservation and scientific pursuit and the things that are damaging the uh, barrier reef. Yes. but this yes. this film actually right. adds the um con- uh, the Asian connection you know it, it shows us mm. that it's a bigger issue and that people from different countries yeah. in Asia are very concerned and are throwing yeah. th- are, are trying to work out ways that they can u- uh, use to uh, have a positive outcome for the reef yes yes thank you thank you for your good observation thank you very much that's good yeah yeah so so um uh, the, the footage where you go and talk to the children in China, how did that happen? Oh, mm. uh, it's actually this is a, um, a Mimi's view. The Mimi's got a, some, some sort of connection, and then uh, I shouldn't do not mention about him, uh, Jackie Chan's, you know, involving everything. And then he, he, he's, she's actually uh, personally connected to the sort of uh, the uh, institution and then uh, aquarium and sort of uh, education, the uh, program and everything. And then she did get the, uh, from uh, her, her side. So I don't, I don't know much because I'm a Japan side producer. The Mimi Chow can talk about more. And then uh, the, uh, you know, the China, as you know, it's, I mean, probably ten years ago. I shouldn't. I, I shouldn't mention too much. But uh, I mean, presumably, uh, ten years ago. I mean, they don't much concern about the environmental issue. But uh, now, and then the like, I, they started the uh, some collecting, uh, you know, the rubbish and you know, plastic and everything, and they clean up the ocean, everything. And it's, I mean, it's very rapidly and you know, change the the mindset. So, which is really. And good for us too, because uh, I mean, you know, the China and Japan are very close, and then we usually found the uh, some sort of a plastic bottles come from China or you know that it, Korea or everything, you know, we, in, in Okinawa shore, and then we very sometimes there'll be huge cleanup and everything. So now the China Chinese people, you know, that, that started. You know, think about it. You know how the, the environment is important. We should we should try not to throw the plastic. Lavish to the ocean, everything, which is which is really good. And then, as you said, really good, good the thing to the uh, educate you know, young people like uh, kids. And then, then now they they talk, talk about oh how important you know the the, the environment and everything. So, which is a really good the uh, for us and the Chinese people. 
Thank you very much for talking to me, and I'm very grateful that you've actually thrown your weight behind such a film. Thank you very much. That's it for Showreel this week. If you wanted the details to the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival screenings for this Sunday, March the 28th, and the next on April the 18th, go to the NOVA website for booking details. Now that we are back out in the world, consider an Australian film or special film event as a possible outing. Talk to you next week.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.